Hi everyone. I am so excited about this episode. I have been wanting to bring on a therapist as a guest for so long and I couldn't be happier with the fact that I was speaking with Dr. Daryl Appleton. Um, and it's also just the crazy story of how we got connected, which I quickly wanted to share. So basically a while back, uh, one of my submissions to overheard New York, actually okay, two submissions, subtle flex got accepted and then it was reposted about a month ago i'd say and uh, dr appleton then found me through that and reached out to me because she saw i meant had a mental health podcast turns out she is such a badass she's a, a licensed mental health counselor as well as a fortune 500 coach basically coaching like c-level execs and just she's so cool and so nice so i really think you'll love this episode as much as i did recording it speaking of therapy i wanted to remind you guys of my sponsor which is BetterHelp, the largest online counseling service and i mean right now i think we all could use someone to talk to just to at least try to begin processing everything that's happening in the world right now and i'm really really excited and honored to be um, partnering with them and be lucky enough to give you guys 10% off your first month if you use my code. So to get started, you just need to go to trybetterhelp.com slash Zoe to get 10% off your first month. Um, I actually just started my first month. So if you do end up signing up, uh, we can chat about you know our thoughts and uh, what we think about the platform. But again, that's trybetterhelp.com dot com slash Zoe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sauls in the City. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Daryl Appleton, who is a licensed mental health counselor, as well as a Fortune 500 professional coach. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> thanks so much for being here. And I love how this chain of events kind of came together. <laughs> yes, it was very kismet. It transpired well. Um, so why don't you start out by giving me a little background information, like where are you from? How old are you, if you want to say? Um, what's your story? My story. All right. So I am a Jersey girl. Um, I love me some New Jersey, but I live in Rhode Island now. Um, I have a deep love and affection for crime shows and psychopaths and anything that had to do with like deviant behavior. And that's really what got me into therapy um, and into psychology, I, I guess I should say. Um, so that's kind of you know, where all of this started, and I suppose to fast forward where it ended, I now have offices here up in New England and in New York City, and I travel around the world really giving speeches and talks and helping my clients out um, on the corporate level and on the C-suite level, as well as people just trying to get their shit together. Um, that's kind of where my specialty is. But in terms of like, who I am. I'm just your regular around the way human being. Um, I'm 33. So it is always interesting being younger and doing all of this and walking into a boardroom full of like old men. Um, you kind of sometimes have to do work twice as hard to prove that you're just as good, which I always find interesting. Um, 
And I think it started, I recognized that from a very early age. Um, my parents named me Daryl because they knew men had more opportunities. So on a resume, uh, they always wanted my name to be something that stuck out. And when I walk into a room now, people are usually very shocked to see a Daryl walk in that looks like me. And <laughs> it's always it's always a fun thing for me. It's always like a very cool thing um, to do that. So that's kind of like the nuts and bolts of, of it. Um, I suppose, but we'll get more into whatever part of that you want to get into. Wow, I have I've so much. First of all, that's a really, I always thought, you know, my friends who say they like, like boys' names for girls because they sound cool. And I'm like, yeah, like they do sound cool, but that's such a better reason. <laughs> <laughs> like that makes me, you've convinced me. Yes, my parents are very intentional that way, that's for sure. And so I, you answered my next question, which is kind of what got you interested in mental health. Um, and it's funny because uh, a girl who works with me, um, mostly with like my social media and marketing, is the exact same way. She wants to go into like forensic psychology and stuff like that. And, um, and now I'm thinking, you know, with like everyone being obsessed with the Ted Bundy tapes and all of those things on Netflix, like are there just going to be a lot of counselors or, but how did you, you know, then did you study like psychology in college or what made yeah. you leave like the really intense uh, psychology mm. and crime to more of, like therapy that is very a very good question um so when I always knew I liked psychology and I was an athlete growing up I played basketball in college so I knew that I loved helping people you know I, mm -hmm. I recognized very early on that there's you need to talk to certain people certain ways and I think the love of crime <laughs> makes me sound like such a deviant my love of crime um, really put me in a place of saying like, oh, psychology is actually a thing. You can help people. You can help people who need it in this way. You can help people who need it in another way. But when I went to college and I was playing basketball in college, I was a communications major and a psych minor. And I really wanted to do corporate event planning. I <laughs> really wanted to throw a good party apparently. And then I realized what was entailed with it and the hours and the, the, a tremendous amount of work so shout out to all my event planners out there and I was like oh no this is not for me and I think I didn't recognize that somebody would listen to a person so young for especially therapy like I just was so new to it but afterwards um, my best friend actually and my teammate and roommate and I my soulmate I love her um, we were sitting around kind of talking about what we were gonna do with our lives when we graduated and she's like I'm going to get my master's. Why don't you just come with me? And I was like, oh, sure. That's a great idea <laughs> It happened to be in counseling and that's kind of where it really took off and I learned more about the different avenues and the different ways to do this and I wanted to get a job in the prison system and work in that population and I didn't because my parents emphatically persuaded me not to Because um, they were worried but I, I think, you know, it was just interesting working with people with really severe and persistent mental illnesses, which then lead, led to my private practice, which I own with my brilliant business partner, Jen, who actually worked in the prison system. We share a love of crime. Um, <laughs> but we created this more boutique private practice where we work with people who we call the worried well. So this isn't necessarily you have a severe and persistent mental illness. But this is for kind of like the everyday people who, again, need to get their shit together and need a little help doing that. So 
we created this whole kind of culture of not light and fluffy therapists and really kind of pushing ourselves to be very different than the sweater wearing, how does that make you feel type of therapist and give it to you very straight. Um, and then from there, you know, my coaching practice opened up and I saw that there was a need with people who were very successful because um, sometimes we tend to not think that they're, they, they need anything. They tend to sometimes think they don't need anything. So a lot of times I'm brought in by external people trying to help out their CEOs or their professional athlete or whoever it is. And it's kind of cool being able to work with people throughout my career on all different ends of the spectrum. Um, so, and it doesn't mean, you know, that super successful people can't be deviants themselves. <laughs> I can completely guess that. <laughs> so I think one thing that might be confusing to some people's all the different terms for like therapists like so I was wondering if you could kind of explain in layman's terms what the difference is between a psychotherapist a counselor a therapist a psychologist etc yeah so therapist counselor and psychotherapist are all the same thing um at least up in Rhode Island where we are your state might be a little different depending on where you're listening in from um, psychologist usually means that you've gotten a degree in psychology and have a doctorate in, in either um, like a PsyD or a PhD in psychology. My doctorate's actually in leadership and in education. Um, so it's kind of cool because I can bring both of those sides to my business where I have a license in mental health counseling um, and then kind of a different doctorate. So, but in some states they do allow psychotherapists or therapists to call themselves psychologists. So it really kind of matters about the state and it matters about your license and what's on your license and your credentials that way. So if you're looking for a therapist, that's a great question to also ask them um, who they are and what they are. And just to throw in there, psychiatrists are MDs and psych yeah. doctors can prescribe meds. So people get that kind of confused too. Great. Yeah, that was a perfect explanation. I think I was mostly confused between like the first three, which you said were pretty much all the same. So yeah, great. And then I think, so one thing that I personally find when trying to, for background, like I am the biggest therapy advocate out there. Uh, my, my sponsor for the podcast is BetterHelp. Like I love therapy and I think it's just <laughs> such a great way to work on yourself and really become self-aware and become the best version of yourself. And when a lot of times I'll talk to people, including like my parents and they're like, well, no, it's just not for me. Like I went in and she just, I didn't like talking the whole time or like, I didn't like how she didn't give me any advice, but it's like dating. You have to find the right partner. So I was wondering a, if you could speak to that a little and then B what your therapy style is like is it more yeah. tough love or like cuddly or like you know etc <laughs> sure, sure. I think you hit the nail on the head it absolutely is like dating that was well said good analogy <laughs> and sometimes like you're not everybody's cup of tea and that is absolutely okay you don't need to to drink from my cup if that's okay if that's you know what you want um so I think you know don't get discouraged if you're looking for a therapist um a lot of times it's important to understand where people's credentials are and what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for somebody who focuses on 
you know, bipolar, don't go to somebody who specializes in career counseling, um, you know, stuff like that. And I know psychologytoday.com for, you know, all these other different great platforms have, you know, ways to kind of vet therapists um, from an online presence or from like a, an app presence. Um, but a lot of times until you're in front of somebody, you really just don't know what you're mm -hmm. getting. But lots of us will do free, you know, 10, 15 minute phone calls just to see also if we like you. We don't necessarily want to work with people who we feel that we can't help. That's also the other part of it. We want to make sure that, or at least good therapists want to make sure that you're situated with the best client or the best client relationship possible, um, the best counselor possible for whatever client comes your way. So asking questions like, what is your modality? And I'll talk about mine in a second. Um, asking questions like, things that are important to you how do you view um relationships or do you work are you a lgbtqia ally or you know what are your thoughts on bringing family into sessions or whatever it is that's important to you that that's important um to know what you're getting into with your therapist my style is very multi-dimensional um i am definitely grounded in reality therapy which is like cool, that's great, now what? Um, let's, let's figure this shit out and move on. So while I love Freud and he gets a bad reputation, the poor guy, um, and I do believe a lot of unconscious stuff does happen, I tend to be more present focused, more you know, uh, solution oriented, um, things looking ahead, but I also like to bring the pieces back of, oh, that makes sense because the thing you told me about your mom, that makes sense why you're dating a person that's exactly like your mother. Mm -hmm. So, and what can we do moving forward? So I like that, you know, CBT is obviously a big part of lots of um, therapists uh, repertoire right now of that changing behaviors and changing the way that you feel about something in order to change the way you interpret it. Mindset is very big, um, but I am more tough love. I, I definitely am. And that's the athlete in me. It's yeah. not, like, you know, yelling at somebody for their anxiety, like knock it off, stop crying. But there is this place of like, girl, you keep going back to the same partner over and over and thinking it's going to be different. I'm confused. Help me understand why you thought it would be different this time. Um, and I think a lot of my clients who are seeking that out, find that in me. And we have genuine conversations where it gets to be like, what are you doing? What, like, what did you think would happen? I'm with you. I want you happy, but I gotta say you've, you've done this before. So choose what you want to do. Let me know how it goes. But you're, you told me last session that you were done. What changed? Um, so I think that's kind of cool. And, and some people out there want somebody that's a little bit more touchy feely or cuddly, or, um, I guess nurturing would be the appropriate word. And therapists do that in many different ways. So it really truly is what, what works for the person, you know, who you are and you know, who you're sitting across from. Yeah. That's such a good point. And I think that that for lack of a better word tough love type of therapy is it's kind of like the friend we all need but then if we have that friend it can kind of or sometimes when you're asking them for advice just go south because you're like you want their advice but not as much as you really or you may not mean it as much as you say right um but I guess this kind of leads into my next question which is how do you take I'm how do you not take things personally like I'm a very I mean this is why I could just never be a therapist because like you know 
speaking from the person sitting on the couch, like sometimes I'll be so in the moment, just like angry at my therapist or like sad and just kind of go into a mood. Like how do you maintain just having those like really difficult conversations and A, not taking it personally and B, not getting too emotionally invested? I think self-care as a clinician is incredibly important. Um, It's not our jobs to make our clients feel bad for being raw and authentic. And in the moment, if you're super pissed at your therapist, nine times out of 10, it's transference from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay for us. That's something to explore. And guess what? You're allowed to be mad at me because that's why I went to school for 8 billion years (laughs) to learn how to not take it personal. Um, so you could have that space to be who you are and be angry. And I think that's a really important thing um, to have that safe space to have whatever emotion it is that's creeping up on you um, and have somebody that's not going to shame or judge or yell at you for it. Now, there's blatant lines of disrespect if you're flipping over chairs in your therapy appointment or if you're, you know, like yeah. physically intimidating your therapist. Like, no, that's not that's not OK. But. Yeah, I've definitely had clients that are like, I hate you right now. And I'm like, that's okay, you can hate me. I will still see you next week if you want to come back in. And nine times out of 10, they come back and they're like, you know, I was just angry and you just reminded me of something my mom said and I feel like we need to unpack that. And that's cool because that's what you're supposed to be doing in therapy. You're supposed to be unpacking these things. And my job is not to help you carry the load. My job is to help you sort through things and reorganize where they should go and throw out the stuff you no longer need. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and is, I guess, a great way. I mean, it is a great way to approach it. I guess I'm like a different, same of like same thought, but a little different is, you know, some people, I imagine that some people might come and bring things that are really heavy and sad. And like, I'm a very empathetic person. So like, with everything going on right now, I'm a mess because I'm just like feeling all the emotions of every person who's sad, even though like I obviously don't understand. It's, it's a lot to feel like, you know, there's just some things that you don't have a real answer to. How do you not let that go to heart? It's, that's a tough one. And I think every young clinician feels a little burnt out in the beginning because we get into a helping relationship with people as a career because we genuinely want to help or, or hopefully. And if you're out there listening and you got into it for any other reason, um, I have questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> Leave immediately, quick. Um, but I do think that having this you know, ability to take on a lot, again, this transference, they teach us in school that it's kind of like a bowl. You as the client are emptying out into my bowl, all of your thoughts, feelings, emotions. It's my job to pour it out somewhere in the yard and not onto someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm not hold on to that because I'll overflow. So again, that kind of looks like your self care of not taking things personally. It looks like having your own therapist um, as a therapist or you know, the great thing about being a therapist is I have tons of friends that are therapists and I can say to them, like, I need 15 minutes of your professional time. And they'll be like, yeah. okay. um, my business partner is really great for that. And nine times out of 10, she's my go-to where I'm like, I need to vent for 20 minutes and I need you to just listen to me um, mm-hmm. and give advice at the end. And she'll do that. She'll acquiesce to that. Um, but again, like your self-care is really good to lean into. So your physical wellness, 
your social wellness, really being careful of who your circle is and what they're demanding of you, your familial wellness and, and romantic wellness is a big thing to make sure you're staying sane. Um, you know, not only what you're putting in your body, but how you're sleeping. These are all things like we have to walk the walk as therapists. We can't just teach you guys all this good shit and then not do it ourselves. So that's the biggest thing is like being somebody who, who lives what they're trying to preach. That's awesome. Yeah, that's then that's what I um, cause I interviewed my friend who's a registered dietitian, which in a similar way, having that like helping role and hearing these really hard stories. She was like, I need a therapist. And so the next week she downloaded BetterHelp <laughs> Very but good. before I was um, before they were sponsoring me. But uh, I was also wondering, do you find that I mean, you are like a corporate coach, but do you find that there's any similarities or themes of the uh, clients you do have or like problems they come in with? Totally. And I think part of that is strategic on my part because I know what I'm good at. Yeah. So my clients tend to have um, similar kind of uh, overlap in the sense that I usually tend to work with people who are dedicated to making their lives better in some way. My corporate clients just happen to be very good at their jobs. They tend to be executives who have done a lot of work, but maybe don't have a ton of work-life balance. Um, so my job is to kind of pull apart at the, the places where they don't feel the happiest or they don't feel the most fulfilled. Um, same thing if I'm working with my 20-somethings. We talk a lot about like, okay, work is doing one thing to you, school's doing another, dating's doing another, and on and on and on. It's again like trying to separate out all of that proverbial stuff we stu like shove in that junk closet, taking it all out, taking an assessment of it, and putting it in a nice orderly fashion and throwing out the rest. So I think like that's kind of my forte is helping people organize these things. The people I don't tend to work with are people who are not committed to doing the work. Mm -hmm. So I will say to my clients when they come into me, I will never lie to you. I have no reason to you. You've Lots of other people will lie to you. Your therapist doesn't need to be one of those people. So I'm not going to say nice things just to say them. I'm also not going to give you, you know, anything that I wouldn't necessarily do myself. Um, but I also tell them at the end of the day, I want you to leave this office better than you walked in. And you need to commit to me that in your time away from, from us talking, that you're also going to be living that truth and doing the best that you can. Because if not, you're wasting your time and you're wasting my time. And I don't want that for either one of us. Your time is incredibly important. So I tend to work with people who are motivated to get better. They want answers. They want solutions. They want pragmatic steps. They want to learn how to be better communicators with their significant other or learn to be more assertive, have more self-esteem. Um, so that's, that's kind of like what jazzes me. And also to answer that question on self-care, it makes me ready to go into work every morning because I don't feel drained because I'm working with the exact people that, you know, make me feel fulfilled. That's awesome. And it's true. It's like you have to go in wanting to become the best version of yourself and knowing like that whatever is being told to you is so you can do that. And also, so you mentioned that you work with like corporate people and that as like a coach. Um, but then that is like a little bit of like a euphemism for lack of a better word for like therapist. Is that what like a 
if someone has a, um, a life coach, is that just a therapist? Yes and no. So the best way I can describe it is a therapist is going to be somebody who is trained, who's licensed, who has done the schoolwork, who has done all of the ridiculous exams, you know, has, has done all that. And I'm not suggesting life coaches ha haven't, but right now with life coaching, there are no standards. They don't, they don't have any governing body necessarily um, that demands that they have X amount credential or degree in order to call themselves that. So you can put a shingle on your door and kind of be a life coach right now. Um, I do coaching and coaching is a little bit more focused in kind of what I said before of what's the problem right now and how do we move forward from it? So the difference, I suppose, and again, a simplistic term is therapists can focus on the range of past, present, and future. Life coaches are not necessarily credentialed or licensed or have any type of schooling, and they are only allowed to focus on present and future. I see. People will come to me and want coaching a lot of times because of the stigma around therapy, and they will say things like, I just want to work on this or insurance doesn't cover you helping me with my business plan. And I have to say that, like, I can't take your insurance um, because of that. Uh, you need a diagnosis with insurance, which is also another reason people go to coaching. They don't want to have a diagnosis attached to their name. Um, a lot of times, like a lot of us therapists, I only take a certain amount of um, insurance based clients to, to do some of my corporate contracts. So people, who want the time there, there's less stipulations around it. Um, but if you're looking for a life coach, it's a great avenue. Just make sure you do your due diligence and make sure that you know the credentials of these people and what they've done and where they've been at. And if any time a life coach is working on past trauma with you, they're doing the wrong thing. They're not allowed to. Um, that's that's something that a therapist can do because you wanna make sure it's boxed up appropriately and you're not making your depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, whatever worse. So they can't, they can't focus on any past stuff. They can't focus on any trauma. They can't diagnose and they can't give any advice around mental health issues. Got it. I will definitely dive into the stigma part soon. Um, but my last question about like therapy and your style and stuff is I think a lot of the times, I mean, I myself am guilty of this is like, I just want an answer. So if I'm like, even if it's something like, should I go to this party or not? Like, just mm -hmm. I just need someone to decide for me. But obviously, as a therapist, your job is to help me make that decision and not just give me an answer. Right. Do you, is that something that – am I the only one does that? Or, like, do your clients sometimes just be like – just yes. help me. Like, what, what should I do? 1,000%, yes. Because, you know, brain and behavior, it's easier when we can follow a pattern or a direction. It's why school is, is, you know, kind of sectioned off the way that it is for young kids. First period, second period, recess, third, fourth, lunch, whatever. Um, brain and behavior shows us that we do better with that structure because we feel safer. We feel better with less choices. Um, there's a lot of studies that show that if you were to go into a county fair, and they actually did a study on this, and you had to pick your favorite jam out of 160 jams or whatever versus six, it would be much easier to pick six versus 160. Yeah, modern so, love. There you go. It's a very, very real thing. 
So it's natural to want somebody to make the decision for you, but that's not going to help anything. Um, when Say you were to come to me and say something like that. Do I go to this party, yes or no? I'd be like, all right, here's the thing. Let's write it down and let's figure it out. Let's do our pro and con list on steroids. Long-term and short-term pros and cons. Let's put a number value to them so we're not necessarily just making a emotional decision. Let's make a pragmatic one. So part of my job as therapist is to help people untangle the Christmas lights in their head and put them again in nicely um, with skills and with support by doing it with you but not doing it for you. That's awesome. Yeah, the paradox of choice is way too way too real, especially now when there's like more choices than ever. Not right now with COVID, but like technology right. and things. Right, right. So going back to the stigma, which is one of the reasons I created this podcast is because there's still such a huge stigma around mental health, even in my like New York City bubble where it's relatively normal to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to therapy. It still kind of feels uncomfortable. And, you know, then looking, I had a guest from Texas who was like, oh, I would never go to therapy. What is your elevator pitch for like why just minus pricing if like if if it were free like why someone should go to therapy i guess i would say do you like to feel happy if yes <laughs> are you happy now if no go talk to somebody about it um some of the best athletes in the world tom brady michael jordan you know whoever they all have somebody that helps them out whether that's a coach whether that's a trainer so I think it's just this, like, if Tom Brady's not, you know, too good to have a coach, then neither are you. Um, and I mean, coach in the, in the interchangeable therapy, coach, whatever. But it's basically the only time in your entire day that you can have 45 minutes to 60 minutes of it just being completely about you and nothing else. It is not supposed to be about anyone else but yourself and what you want to talk about. And even just having that space to talk with another human being and not have to carry their shit, to not be like, how are you now? Now it's your time to talk, friend. Um, it's much, it's, it's a nice place to have that. There's, there's just an exhale that goes with it. And for the people that are afraid of therapy, I hear you. I, I totally get it. Try it. You might like it. It's like vegetables. Um, and if you don't like it, you don't ever have to go back. Yeah. What about the people who say, well, I just deal it, like, I could just deal with it myself. Like, the, I, like, that's on me. I can deal with it. And they might be able to. Lots of people have really great coping skills. Um, people usually come to us when they're more in distress or looking for answers. So I would just say, if you have answers or if stuff isn't working for you, work smarter and not hard, harder. Like, get somebody to help you. If you can't design a website, you would hire somebody to help you with your website. This is the same thing. There's no shame in it. It's just somebody helping you pragmatically go through something that's not pragmatic, which are feelings. And and looking forward, I mean, luckily, I it's funny because I I interviewed my grandma, which was oh, I love that was so great. But she's I don't know, 86 or something now, and her talking about therapy, it was like only the, the crazies like went and I mean there are definitely has been progress made but I guess in, in 20 years do you think that the stigma will continue to be reduced like what do you hope to see in the mental health community in 
five years, 10 years, 20 years. I hope that when you're born, you're assigned a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm being slightly facetious, but I, I hope that our, our generation, you know, and I'm an older millennial, but, you know, Gen Z, especially continuing on the narrative that it's okay to ask for help will really change the way that we view things. Because I think a lot of times that big macro problems could be dealt with if everyone did a little bit more on the micro level, we would do a lot better on the macro level. And I think that it's important for people to have an outlet and why not have it with somebody who's trained and who can close Pandora's box once it's opened and give you some really great suggestions. Um, but I do hope that everybody has access to a therapist first and foremost, but also everybody feels comfortable enough that they can go and at least try it. I love that. Okay, so I always end with a couple of questions that are more gonna be flipped towards like your life. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'm excited to hear them. What's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? Um, I think, you know, my, it's funny, my initial response is my husband and I adore him he, I am, I am balls to the wall. I am no joke. I am like, you know, you see me and you meet me and I'm like fun and, but I'm intense. He is the kindest, sweetest, most laid back human being. Um, so I think it's had a major impact where he's really shown me there's difference. There's a different way to, to handle things. And, um, you know, calling out my own hypocrisy of like, my own work-life balance sometimes especially because it's something i preach and he was a major reason that i did my doctorate um, and did what i did with my doctorate i should say more more so because i met him when i was going through my doctorate um of just going towards working with the people that i wanted to work with and you know the doubts that i had but kind of quelling them with just his calm nature so it was very cool to to be involved with somebody like that because in the past i had dated you know, my professional athletes or, you know, whatever it was that were more on this like intense level, but it was really nice to, to it's really nice now to be with somebody who adds more um, dynamic to the relationship and really is a grounding point for me to come home to. Out of curiosity, when is your birthday and when is his? <laughs> we are both Leos actually. Oh, wow. He is the most un-Leo Leo in the world. I am the most Leo Leo. I'm the, yeah, I'm the most Virgo, so that's so interesting. Um, do you believe everything happens for a reason? I do. I do. I think that sometimes rejections serve as protections. Oh, I like um, that. I think that sometimes we don't get what we want because there is a bigger plan. But I also believe that it doesn't just come for you. So, like, you need to put an effort into your life. No one can work harder at your own life than you do. And I think you are able to absolutely change your own stars in a lot of ways. But also, I, I do think that the universe or whatever else is up there has some sort of plan that we can access if we want to. Yeah, I like that. It's interesting hearing that from a therapist who's like very like free will, you know. But I, I agree. I think that I like to think that at least. I think it's a nice way to live. Yes, it brings some order to the chaos. Exactly. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by? Um, I do. I love the poem Invictus 
Um, and the end stanzas of the poem say, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Um, and it's really beautiful because if you read into the history of it, and it's something my grandfather kind of would always say, um, which I suppose is the direct opposite now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, well, yeah. everything happens for a reason. I am a walking conundrum and contradiction <laughs> Um, But I do think like it does speak to that control what you can. You got to control the controllables. And, you know, I really love this idea of taking ownership in your life and being present and occupying your full sense of self in your own world um while the chaos goes around you it will help you kind of steer your ship so um i think those are one of the things that i'll, I'll kind of remind myself and my mother will even you know when i'm like spinning she'll be like yeah, you are the the captain of your own fate here and our choices do lead to different doors um you know in in kind of a, a different path than than we think sometimes yeah I love that quote too. What do you love most about yourself? Um, I like how, <laughs> I like this question. I just had a bunch of stuff rushed to mind, which I was just like, <laughs> oh, Daryl, good self-esteem. Um, I, I like how I process things. I like that I help people. Um, I like who I am and I'm really secure in that. And it's taken lots of years to process and question and be called out and be okay with being called out. So I like who I am at 33 and what I do, and I'm proud of myself. So I love that you're asking this question because I think it's a really important thing for women especially and yeah. you know people to be able to declare about themselves stuff that they enjoy. So thank you for giving me that opportunity to do that. Oh, of course. I know I, I end or I, I almost end with that question a lot, and it's really – just disheartening to see how many people are like oh gosh and then you know can't think of it on the spot which I mean I get it like I probably wouldn't be able to or now I would be able to but in the past so it is it's refreshing to see someone who's like oh wait where do I start (laughs) (laughs) it's also the Leo in me probably (laughs) (laughs) could be but um and it definitely works like obviously with your profession I mean that's good that you didn't have to think, think too much. <laughs> um, and last question, which is the name of the podcast, is how do you find solace in the city? And city can be whatever you, know, you want it to be. I think I do it through reflection. Um, you know, I'm an introvert. I seem very extroverted, and I like talking with people. Um, but I think parties and gatherings and when I do my speaking and, and my engagements and my workshops – I have about three hours in me of like being there and being like, yeah, let's do this. And then I need to go recharge. And that recharging time for me is alone time. It's time where I get to breathe. It's time where I can reflect on the day or what I need to do. I'm a huge list maker. Um, I started actually putting them out on my website for people to download who also love lists of a way to like collect thoughts and be more introspective and really engage in this process of checks and balances with myself so I can take a deep breath and get ready to go back out there and do what I love and not feel burnt out. Yeah, that's awesome. And I will definitely be downloading those lists. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. Where, I don't know if you're like accepting new clients, but where can my followers find you? 
learn about your practice, yeah. uh, learn about your, your coaching, et cetera? Yeah, so they can find me at my website, which is www.drdarylappleton.com, um, Dr. Dr. You can find me on Instagram, same handle, Dr. Daryl Appleton. Um, and yeah, I am accepting a few new clients right now. And there's links on my website to my private practice, which is Polaris Counseling and Consulting. Um, so for those of you in the New England area, especially Rhode Island, if you're looking to use your insurance. But yeah, we, we, we have about seven clinicians there who are all awesome. Um, and corporate contracts as well. Always love doing stuff on a more macro level. And yeah, even if to just to engage in talk, if I can point you in a direction that makes sense for you, I will absolutely do that as well. Cause I want everybody to have a place that they feel comfortable talking. I love that so much. And I agree. Also, I forgot last question because I meant to ask this at the beginning and where, where in New Jersey are you from? I'm from right outside New York city. I'm from, uh, the, uh, Paramus area. Okay. That's where all the malls are. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from Romson on the beachish. Yeah. Go Jersey. Go Jersey. All right. Well, thank you again and bye everyone. See ya.